Welcome to the show. I'm Lucas Miles, and you're listening to the Lucas Miles Show on the Edify Podcast Network and also a featured podcast of faithwire.com. Welcome to the Lucas Miles Show. I'm your host, Lucas Miles. This is the first part of a special two-part interview with my guest, Candace Cameron Beret. You know Candace, of course, as her role as DJ Tanner on Full House and Netflix's Fuller House, which just completed its final season. Also from a tremendous amount of work on the Hallmark Channel, where she plays characters such as Aurora Tea Garden, and also from shows like Dances with the Stars and The View. Candace and I sat down at Biola University outside of Los Angeles just prior to to the COVID-19 shutdown. I think it was literally about a week before. And we had the opportunity to talk in front of a live studio audience. And she told us about her life, how she got into the entertainment business, how her faith guides her decision-making in the industry, and much, much more. You're going to love both of these episodes. It's about an hour long in total, so we broke these up in about 30 minutes apiece for you. But before we get to the interview, here's a word about our sponsor. This episode of the Lucas Miles Show is brought to you by Cove. Visit covesmart.com and use promo code LUCAS, that's L-U-C-A-S, for all of your home security needs. And with that, here's my interview with Candace Cameron Bray. I just want to say a big thank you to Biola University, and you guys are incredible. Uh, I was here a couple of years ago and got to do another event uh, and had just loved it and you know was working with Taylor and said, we got to do another one of these. And of course, we thought of Candace. And I'm so happy just to bring you here to the school and just have you part of this, this really special and amazing university. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being here. And a big shout out to the School of Cinema and Media Arts. And if you're watching, maybe, because like, here's the deal. You guys in the room, you know how amazing Biola is, right? Let's make sure the people watching this know that. And I think we have like overflow rooms right now like going on. So if you're in the overflow room, give us a cheer. Maybe we can hear you. Okay, I can hear them back there. That's awesome. Um, and, and, you know, the, but, but people maybe that are watching or listening, this might be maybe the first time they've heard of Biola. And I just want to say that, like, this place is the real deal. You know, the, the talent and the, and we were talking earlier about character that's coming out of a school like this, uh, and specifically Biola, it's just been really, really incredible. And so I've just been so impressed, you know, touring the, the, the campus, seeing the program. So, you know, to our listeners and viewers down the road, because you guys already know here in the room, make sure and check out what's going on here at Biola. I mean, we, they're getting, I mean, we have a sign over here that's got variety, movie maker, filmmaker backstage, all endorsing the cinema program here at Biola, which is just incredible. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So all that, that's out of the way. Let's get into what we what we came here to uh, uh, to maybe dive into. And and Candice, you know, I, I'm just everybody in this this audience here and maybe listening. They're all coming from obviously slightly different places in life, and but I think that there's something that brings them together, and that is first of all their faith, and second of all their love for this industry. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I can, I can hardly think of anybody better to talk about those two things together than you. Um, so I'm going to just pitch to you for a second and maybe, you know, talk to, was this industry, did you see yourself, like, I know you started pretty young, but like, yeah. was this just like, this is what I'm doing right from the beginning? No, not entirely. So I started acting at five years old and because I grew up here in Southern California and I just went on commercial auditions instead of playing soccer. And, <laughs> and then at 10 years old, I booked a television show and I loved it. I loved acting. I loved having fun doing it. I, my personality suited it because when you're a child actor, you need to listen and follow directions and do what you're being told to do and do it well. And I was that kid. I was like the obedient kid. I was good at listening and following directions. So anyway, but it was probably around 15 years old where I thought like, I really like this. Yeah. This is really cool because I took like tap and ballet when I was really little, but I really have been acting my entire life. But it wasn't because I was tugging on my mom's sleeve saying, this is what I want to do. I want to be movies or TV. I didn't. It was just, we kind of fell into it. But 15, I'm like, yeah, I really like it. I think I'd like to stay in this. And when you're on a hit successful television show like Full House was, that obviously had a huge impact on me and and in wanting to stay on the show because I was also surrounded by wonderful people. So so let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, there's a lot of people that start young in this business. And, you know, I've had some really personal kind of one-on-one conversations with uh, with various people in the industry that, that started at a young age. And I've heard crazy stories and everything else. You seem to have navigate the, navigated this, and I think probably with your family, very well. What sort of... Um, what sort of maybe things did you guys put in place early on to see that you could sustain this career, you know, the way that you have? <laughs> well, the truth is, my dad was not a huge fan of the industry and always told us, like, this is fairyland. It's a dream. <laughs> it's not a real career. So you better make sure that you go to school and have a real career and job that you could rely on. And that was always in the back of my mind. And my dad's <laughs> a school teacher, by the way, like over f- he for 40 years. And but um, the thing was, my I actually did not grow up in a Christian home, which a lot of people are surprised about. Or maybe you know that. But but. Being in a moral home was very important, so my parents had very distinct and strict rules about about life and our values and our morals, which were all biblical values, but at the time, my dad would not have called them that. Right. My dad's a Christian now, but at the time growing up, he wasn't. My mom is a Christian. Our whole family's a Christian now. <laughs> Everybody's a Christian. Let's Christians just make that clear. So. <laughs> It all just happened at different times in our lives. So anyway, we, when we were in the industry, it was really, and I say I went on commercial auditions instead of playing soccer because that's how it was treated growing up. My parents were like, this is fun. If you like doing it, that's great. But as soon as you get home, you need to take out the trash. Your bed needs to be made. You need to do your homework. You had a real life. Your, yes. It wasn't my life. The industry growing up was not my life. And then when... 
my brother and I, Kirk, were on successful television shows at the same time, my parents always made sure that my sisters were included. I have two sisters. I'm the baby. My brother's the oldest. Two sisters in between. So everything was a family affair, and it was always about our family, and it was never just about my brother or just about me, and it wasn't about making money. It was literally our extracurricular activity. Was there a moment when you were like, oh, like, this is, this is big? Like, when did it hit you that I'm on a hit? Well, I realized what a hit my brother was first when they were making pillowcases with his <laughs> face on it. <laughs> some of you in this room may not know my brother very well, but some of the moms in here might know my brother well. <laughs> <laughs> we won't ask if somebody had a pillow. We're going <laughs> to let you keep that private. <laughs> But I, I knew into our second or third season, because I had seen the success of my brother on Growing Pains and had seen his spe- specific success, I knew by the third season of, of Full House that our show was a big hit with fans, not the critics, but fans. And I, my parents had already had some preparation because of my brother before I entered that realm as well. So they had... They were navigating my brother first and foremost yeah. because he was ahead of me, even though we started acting at the same time, but ahead of me in terms of the start of his series. And because he was so extremely popular. And so they, you know, he was, they had to figure it out with him first. So I was buffered even more, and my parents had figured out how to navigate some of the waters once Full House became a big hit. I'm a middle child, and so I got to see all, the, you know, my brother go through everything. I think my parents learned a lot through that. And then I think that there's a lot of truth in that and how, you know, people experience, um, uh, you know, just kind of uh, navigating the place within their family. But um, let's talk a little bit about this show, Fuller House. We have to bring this up, you know, here at the start. Uh, any Fuller House fans out there? We got a few. And, um, you know, I, as, a, as, you know, I, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a pastor. I host a show. And I always think, like, what's going on behind the scenes? How long was this a dream to bring kind of Fuller House and to kind of bring everybody back together for this? So we've done the show for five seasons now. And before the start of the first season, we had been talking about this idea for five years. Wow. And our the creator and executive producer Jeff Franklin and John Stamos had been talking about it and then talked to me and Andrea Barber and Jody Sweeten saying, would you like, would you be game? And so we started pitching the show within a couple years after the initial talks and every network said no to us. And the last one that said yes was Netflix. Wow. And here we are. Here we are. So this is this is the final season. Yes. And it, it, there's still was it half of it left to air. Is that how it exactly. is? Exactly. It premiered the first half premiered in December, and the second half will be out later this year. I don't have an exact date, but probably summertime. Did you? You know, is that at first episode airs on, or even, I guess the first season drops on Netflix? Were you anticipating kind of the? the 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 craze and the mania that there is around that show when it first came back out? Honestly, without sounding egotistical, yes. I like it. Yes, because it's the only reason we... Kn- I mean, we knew the show was going to be a hit if 
as long as the show was done well. And we had the original creator and executive producer of the show, so we knew it would be in trusted hands. But Full House has not been off the air in 35 years. It has been on continuously in over 100 countries. It's longer than most of these guys have been alive. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, that makes me really old. <laughs> But we understand our fan base. We all have known the fan base and how much that show has meant to people yeah. over the years. So we knew if we came back with the show, the fans were waiting for it. So when we first aired, we were expecting it to be a hit. We were expecting fans to embrace it and love it. And for the most part, people have. So let me ask this, as because you, you produce as well. Maybe not everybody knows that, but you're also, you know, uh, actively producing content too. And, you know... I know for me, there's sometimes you go, okay, I think this thing could work, or and other times you're going, I hope it works, and you feel like it's you're rolling the dice. You know, how do you approach a project when you see, you know, conceptualize something new, or you get a script, you know, your way? You know, how often, you know, what's what's the process that you have maybe in going, I'm going to do this or not do this? How much are you anticipating where this could go or what the story's like and those things? Sure. Well, in th at this point in my career, it's very different from when I started out. So at this point, I know who I am. I know who I am within the industry, and I know my brand. So my first question is, does this project fit my brand? If it fits my brand, then I'll say to myself, do I like this pro project? Does it inspire me? Does it, does it s spark something creatively in me? Um, and if it does, then I have to ask, does it make sense to my audience? Because something might be great for me and it fits the brand, but if it's maybe too out of the box or maybe it's, I'm in family television. It's what I've set out for my career to do and what my production company does and all that I do. It's all based around family. So maybe if I wanted to do something that fit the box, but what if it was like super artsy and kind of like, I'm like, I don't know that that would fit my audience. Yeah. So that's one thing I look at is if it fits the audience. And, um, and then it, you know, it goes down to what the content and if it keeps passing these certain tests, then it's like, is this something I want to invest my time in? Is this something that the time is worth the money? Does the money matter? Because there's some projects that the money doesn't matter. I want to do this, or I want to just give my time to this, or sometimes things are like, it fits the box. It's okay. Might not be my favorite thing, but it's financially great for my family. Yeah. So there's all kinds of decisions, but it's always about First and foremost, does it fit the brand and who I am and what it represents and what I want my name on to go out into the world? So let's talk about this personal brand thing here because, I mean, we live in the, you know, um, when you and I were growing up, very few people thought about their personal brand. You know, we were just going through life for a while, right? And But, I mean, today, Instagram, everything, I mean, everything is like, what's your brand? And the, the you know, this this influencer mindset, everything else is so is so uh, ingrained, I think, in this, in this, you know, in kind of the, in the world today, in this generation. What would you say to maybe some students out here or somebody that's listening as they're trying to discover what their own brand is in their life, whether they're in the industry or doing, you know, something outside of it, you know, is there any resources that you could recommend or maybe process that you went through to go, this is, this is how I discovered who I was? Sure. This is going to sound super cheesy and sales pitchy, but Kind is the New Classy, one of the books I wrote, <laughs> has a lot of that information in it. But the truth is, 
you you have to know who you are. You have to know whose you are. You have to know that before you walk out into the world because the world is going to try to tell you what it thinks you should be. And so I ask myself questions. You should ask yourself these questions for whatever job you want to do, whatever career you want to pursue. What's your why? Why do you want to do it? And there's, so, there's a list of questions that can come off of the why. Is it just to make money? Is it to exceed in a, in a specific career? If you're an actor, is it to why I want to win an Emmy? Do I want to make a lot of money? Do I just want to be famous? Right. What's your why? And there's no wrong answer. It's just be honest with yourself. But then you have to ask yourself, what's your purpose? What's the purpose? And it kind of sounds similar to the why, but let me go a little bit deeper because when I think of my purpose, I'm thinking about my life purpose. My life purpose as a Christian is to glorify God in all I do. Isn't it refreshing to hear somebody say that in her position? Isn't that awesome? Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. So... If that is my sole purpose in life, whatever I do as a career or in my personal life, those are all secondary priorities. They're important things in my life, but it's not, it's not the purpose of my life. I wasn't put on the earth to be the best actress I could be. My purpose is to glorify God, but God gave me a talent And I get to use those talents in acting, in producing, in writing to produce content that can turn back and glorify God. And I think it's so important that you know what your purpose is and what your why is. Then you can create boundaries. You can draw certain lines in the sand. You can predetermine some decisions you'll make that you know you might face later on because the going will get tough and you will have to face decisions that will be hard to make and you will have outside influences trying to tell you what you should do and that's when you have to be able to come back to the basics and say what's my purpose what's my why What is the priority here? What do I already know that I've said, I'm not going to do this, I am going to do this, or these are the boundaries that I've created myself? And you can always come back to them when you're faced with tough things. You know, I call it your your tent stakes, okay, or your tent pegs. And there was a time when my wife and I went camping very early in our marriage, and we drove out to this place, you know, a couple, about an hour from our house or whatever, and we get all the way out there, we unpack the tent. I had loaned it to somebody, and they had forgot to put the stakes into oh, no. the tent. And so, like, we had our whole, like, weekend plan. And so I'm just like, we're going to make the best of this. And so, like, I'm rigging rope, like, through the tent, tying it to the bumper of the truck and, like, all this sort of stuff, trying to, like, make this tent stand up. And, of course, it, it rains crazy. A raccoon gets in our, you know, in our cooler and everything. I mean, it was tragic. It's like real life survivor. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is marriage year one. Um, and now I will have at least. Now a, it's a, naked a, and afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. That's funny. Uh, we've been married now 19 years, so yes, we've made it. <laughs> so, as I was saying... Sorry, did I make you blush? You did a little bit, but I like it. <clears throat> so, you know, this, this, this idea, like something like a tent, it takes those stakes in there to get it to stay put. And because when the storms come, when the wind comes, everything else, it starts going crazy. And so, you know, for me, my faith has become that, that tent stake that, you know, I know that I know that I know that this is the thing. Because as you get out there, and you've seen this, I'm sure, a million times with people, you get into a place in the industry or you get in a situation where, you know, nobody just wakes up and goes, I'm going to throw my faith away and give up on all this, you know. But we slowly, you know, make these, these uh, um, compromises that lead to that. Can it's you, a slow fade. Yes. Can you speak to that Casting at all? Casting crowns. Okay. <laughs> I'm full do you of one-liners tonight. <laughs> no, it's the one thing I can't do. I want, do I want to speak to... Maybe, you know, how have you maybe avoided some of those compromises over the years that, that lead to kind of that drift from truth? Sure. Well, it's so important to have accountability. I think that's the number one thing we all need. And I've, I have an incredible team that I work with and have worked with for years, but it, it, it started with two people, my, bus- my business managers, and they were always my accountability in that they knew what my goals were, but they knew my boundaries and they knew my values and they have respected them from That's day cool. one. And so ev- there are those people out there, by the way, to represent you in whatever field you're going into. There are those agents, whether you're a writer or an actor uh, or a producer, there are people that will listen to you and respect you. You, you just have to find them and do due diligence, do your research. But the accountability for them, they could already weed things out for me and not even put it in front of me from the beginning to know that like this just doesn't even pass the Candace test of what she would want to do. But when there were also times when I'm like, I so want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, they would ask me the tough questions mm. and say, okay, but have you talked to your husband? <laughs> have you prayed about it? I'm reminding you how much time this is going to take away from your family. Are you okay with that? Those people in your life are so important. And that doesn't have to be representation. That could be your mom or your brother, your sister, your best friend. But it's the people that you know are solidly walking in faith or having your best interest at heart that will tell you the truth in love and the hard truth. And, you know, you still have to make the best decisions for yourself, but accountability is, like, I think the number one thing to not, because we're all going to veer off. We all are. I have. It's so easy to take your eyes so slightly off of Jesus. In my Bible study, one of the ladies had used this analogy to me and I'll never forget it because growing up here on the beach, I was on the beach every day. And you know, when you go out into the ocean and then the current starts taking you, you see that lifeguard tower, but you're out there playing and you're swimming and like soon enough, you're just like, 
you're two lifeguard towers down. And then your parents are like, where are they? Where are they? You know, that's how easy it is. You don't realize how much you're drifting. And you can drift really fast or you can drift really slow. But that's always, it's like, no, you got to keep your eye on that lifeguard tower when you're out in the ocean. And that's the same thing with Jesus. And I think that's so relevant today because we're seeing that in culture. And I'll, I'll you know, keep this somewhat general so people can fill in the gaps. But, you know, we're seeing doctrinal drift on a pretty large scale, I think, across the country. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's more and more we're hearing the gospel is just about how you treat somebody rather and kind of removing that Jesus Christ component out of it. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, that obviously is the bedrock, you know, the faith that we have. Mm-hmm. Let's, I want to I come back to a little bit of kind of getting inside your head here because you're, you know, you're like, you're working really, really hard, okay? And if anybody follow Candace's Instagram, we got a few, we got a few fans out there. Um, you know, you're, you, I mean, you're writing, you have, you know, you've done talk shows, you've done, you know, you've done obviously all the, the, the Full House and Fuller House, you're doing films, you have all, you know, voiceover, you know, parts, everything else that's going into that. Um, how do you maintain that that pace? And you know, because anytime you say yes to one thing, it means you're saying no to something else. And sometimes that's family time, time with your spouse, you know, whatever. Sure. How do you make some of those decisions as you approach, you know, uh, this business? Yeah, it it can be challenging. No has become one of my f- most favorite <laughs> words. I used to say yes all the time, and I think saying yes is wonderful, but. You have to learn that no is so powerful and it protects you. And it just helps you not be robbed of the things that may be most important. I have said so many more no's in my career than I have said yeses. One one is pretty much that it, saying no helped me stay on track as to the types of things I wanted to be a part of, the projects I wanted to work on. And with saying no comes a lot of patience. You have to have it. I think that's how part of navigating my career. Sometimes it hurts to say no, and you have to wait it out, but it's been such a wonderful word. And now that my career has really flourished in the last 10 years. I love saying no because there's just <laughs> too much stuff. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. But there's just too much stuff and then you have to weigh like am I getting to spend time with my family or is this really important enough? So, um I forgot the original question. I don't know. I just loved saying no. I, I think that was good. We, we, we had some yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Thanks for listening to the Lucas Miles Show on the Edify Podcast Network. For more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you, head over to the Apple or the Google Play Store and search for the Edify app. Until next time, it's Lucas Miles. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.